guys. Uh, welcome to Ruin Hammer, episode 17. Uh, welcome to my co-host, Rob, when he jumps on. G'day, mate. G'day, mate. How's things? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing really well, thanks. And g'day to everyone watching as well. You'd be happy up there in uh, Queensland, mate? Mate, we are uh, stoked. Very happy. Um, another series win in the bank. It's been, it's been a couple of years, so... But we do know how to celebrate a state of origin win up here in Queensland. So you had a prelude to that last week. You went to the women's origin match on uh, Friday night. Absolutely, yep, at the Sunshine Coast, and that was that was another awesome night and another great Queensland win. So it's been uh, two great two great wins for Queensland. You would have been happy about one of them, not so happy about the other one, I'm guessing. I was I was, I was happy about last uh, Friday night. So I was on the Queensland bandwagon because we had. Um, Four girls in that squad and three girls uh, play from our um, our Warriors women's side this year. Uh, so congratulations to them. Uh, I thought it yep. was great last night um, that they had those girls do a lap of honour in front of the Suncorp Stadium crowd as well. To yeah, how good. How good. Yeah, that's a great acknowledgement. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Um, hello to a few people. Hello to Shane Bonham, my good mate. Uh from uh, St. Pat's Footy Club back in the day. Uh, lives up north now. G'day, Shane. And um, Christian from the Warriors and Aral Fanatics has joined us. So, hello, people. Thanks for joining us. Hey, um, guys. Great to have you on. Yeah, so, you know, we'll, we'll talk a bit about the origins a bit later on. I think we'll um, we'll get straight into the night show. We've got a man uh, who's uh, joined us as a very special guest. Let's um, bring him in. Yeah, bring him in, mate. He's a former uh, Raider, Rooster and Tigers front rower. Um, but to us, he's the man who guided our team through the unprecedented uh, COVID 2020 season. Um, our 2020 Warriors coach, Todd Payton. Thanks for joining us, Todd. Thanks, yeah, Todd. No yeah. How are we? Doing really well, thanks. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Good. Uh, flat stick at work, actually. First uh, day we've had all our staff available, so um, we've got a fair bit of um, cleaning to do over the next couple of days before our players arrive on, on Monday. So, yeah, so fair bit of stuff to do. I guess that move, though, up to North Queensland is not too unfamiliar for you. You've been there before in um, 2015 as a, the under-20s coach of the Cowboys and assistant to Greeny during that yep. victory. Um, so, I guess that, that makes the move a little bit more easier. Yeah, yeah, very easy from my end, um, yeah, and particularly with the kids. They just slid straight back into their old school. Um, so it was really heartwarming and pleasing to see how happy they were from the get-go. Um, they've hustled us out the door every morning to get to school, um, which wasn't that common um, over the past 12, 18 months. And they hadn't been to school for 20 weeks, to be fair. So um, they were pretty ratty by Thursday, Friday. And, um, yeah, everyone's... Uh, sorry, particularly the kids, they're, they're really, really um, happy to be here. Uh, that's great. Yeah, that makes it um, a lot easier. Um, well, we'll take it. We'll take it back to the start of your uh, of your playing career, where it all began for you. So you grew up in Tamora, which has mm -hmm. produced some amazing rugby league talent over the years. And you went to school at Erindale College, and you were signed yep. by the Raiders on a scholarship in 1995. And the yep. following year, you actually you made your first grade debut and were, made the Australian schoolboys team as well. Um, so what was it like to play first grade as a 17-year-old? Yeah, it's pretty daunting. Um, I was very lucky um, growing up where I did. It's a small country town with 5,000 people and we've had a really 
big impact on the NRL. Uh, we've had a lot of um, first grade players, you know, Trent Barrett, myself, um, uh, Mark Stimson, um, Ryan Hinchcliffe, uh, Zach Lomax is playing at the moment. Um, we've got Joe Stimson who's playing at the moment. Um, Josh McCrone. So, you know, there's some handy players to come out of a small town. Um, you know, where I grew up was any further south is AFL and any further north is um, is rugby league. So they had the best of both worlds there and a really strong community and big footy and sport was a big part of my life. And yeah, got an opportunity to go to Canberra when I was 16, left on my 16th birthday and uh, fortunate enough to play first grade the next year after and playing with some of the guys I really looked up to, you know, still had posters on my wall when I played my first grade debut. So, um, yeah, really fortunate. Looking back now, um, you know, you get to you get to see how lucky you were and, um, you know, I was probably a little bit cocky and arrogant back then, but uh, really grateful for my time in Canberra. We had the um, we had the Carver King Ribbon Wiki on last week, and mm-hmm. he was describing how unreal it was to play in a, like a Raiders team that was chock full of Origin and, and Test superstars. You you probably arrived there towards the back end of that Green Machine era, but yep. what was it like for you to line up with so many household names at such a young age? Yeah, I remember my first grade debut was at Western Suburbs against Western Suburbs. I only got my debut because they were going through a heap of injuries at the time and a couple of suspensions. So, you know, I played two games of reserve grade. Um, you know, Tim Sheen's had just over the years of just plucked kids out of, um, you know, from lower grades. And he always um, would have faith in them. And he, and he did that did that to me. Um, it was late in the season. I just remember... Um, had to take Friday off school to catch the bus up. Um, we're at the team hotel and I wouldn't say the wheels are falling off, but they're at a point where they had to win a couple of games to make sure they made the finals. Um, Steve Wilders asked for the, for the, um, just the playing group to stick around after dinner. And um, he led the, led the chat and said, look, you know, we've got ourselves into this mess. I know we're short on troops. We're just going to have to dig in, keep fighting for each other. Um, and I just remember in that meeting, just looking around the room thinking, well, <laughs> I shouldn't be here. So, um, yeah, so Laurie Daly, um, no one that Drew could played, um, you know, Ruben played, John Lomax, they're the type of guys, Quentin Ponga, um, you know, they internationals, and a lot, you know, Ricky and, and Brad Clyde, another couple of guys that were playing. So, I was awestruck for the first six months. So I loved turning up to training. Um, really was just a young kid enjoying his time. And um, yeah, it was yeah really, really enjoyable time. Yeah, it definitely must have been surreal. Well, yeah, you, you were released by the Raiders and played one season with the Roosters in 2003. And then you signed with the West Tigers. And yeah. um, being, being obviously being part of the inaugural premiership in 2005, Mm-hmm. So what are your memories of, of that grand final experience? And, and a sub-question to that from my good mate, Brad Weir, who's a massive Tigers fan. He'd mm-hmm. like to know what it was like to score the match-winning try or to, uh, to steal the match-winning try. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's not that well known, but I had an injury cloud going into that game. So I, I actually tore 
my tricep with the second last round. So I missed the last round, the first semi-final. And we just got to a point, the doctor was pretty sure that, you know, if we could strap it up tight enough and needle the hell out of it, I should be able to get through some games. So we, we held off the surgery, did that. Anyway, week of the grand final, I strained my hamstring on the Tuesday, just doing a, a conditioning drill right at the, the back end of the session. I felt it go. I thought, shit, you know, yeah. surely not. So I tried to keep going on the next one. It grabbed again. I just walked up to the trainer and said, look, I think I've done the hemi. We walked off. Um, so for me, that week was, um, you know, there was so much going on. It was such a blur. Um, I spent, you know, the week in a hyperbaric chamber getting physio treatment. Um, I was unsure whether I was going to play. I was in my own head. Um, just working out, you know, one hour it would feel good. I'd be thinking, yep, I'm right to go. And then the next hour I would throb and ache and, you know, I think, oh, shit, I can't go. I'm going to let my teammates down. So I was really lucky that Tim and I had a, a, a pretty good relationship. He, he put a fair bit of trust in me. I was pretty experienced too at the time. So I kind of understood my body. And if I, he said, look, if you can get through the captain's run, I'll leave the decision up to you. So um, we got to the captain's run. I strapped the hell out of it so tight. I, I was probably in second gear for the whole whole session. I got through it. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, he, he looked after me through the game. He didn't play me a lot. I only played 30 minutes, I think. Um, and I was just really lucky to get on a, a try. And I thought that just, you know, really wrapped up a really difficult week. You know, if I look back to it, back on it um I, I can't remember the week as such it's you know like i said i was just inside my head for the whole whole duration i can remember the party though yeah so what happened after the game um uh, we had well, of course we're the two merged clubs we, we've got three leagues clubs so the one at west ashfield which is kind of halfway between homebush and and the city so we stopped there first we didn't get leave the ground until um, 12.30. So we got back to that club about one o'clock. We had a, had a couple of drinks and a bite to eat just with the team. So that was a pretty good little moment. Um, we went back to the Leafs club on the top of um, Victoria Road, just in, just in Balmain. And there was 10,000 people. They'd blocked off Victoria Road's main arterial road in Sydney. Um, 10,000 supporters there. And we're on the balcony there and popping champagne and carrying on like, like like lunatics. Um, yeah, we carried on through the night and had to get on the bus the next morning, eight o'clock to get head out to Campbelltown, which is a good 45 minutes to an hour away. And the club wouldn't allow us to keep drinking. So, you know, most of the guys sobered up and, um, you know, that, that Monday morning was a bit tough. And then we yeah, went back to Leichhardt Oval and had another fan day. So she was a pretty long and continuous few hours. I got a bit of sleep on the on the Monday night. Ended up going back to a pub in Balmain to catch up with the rest of the lads. We just sat around and played cards and carried on. Hmm. My um my housemate is a mad Tigers supporter. Yep. You stick your head in and say hi. Toddy. Hey mate. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, good on you. Thank you very much. 
I was going to play without a, a grand final. I've got one. That's all I hear about is that wonderful day in 2005. Because being Warriors supporters, we haven't experienced a winning grand final, mate. So yeah, well, I, I shout out to my good mate again, Brad Brad Weir as well. He's a massive Tigers fan, and and he he often refers to you as the big hombre uh, icing the grand final. So. Was yeah, that, half back in a front rower's body as well. Yeah, yeah. Who, who described him as that? Phil Gould, I think, often used to say he's a, he's a half back trapped in a front rower's body about you when you were playing for the Tigers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty common. Um, yeah, I, like I said, I had Tim Sheens, and he was a, a, a coach that you know promoted his guys to pass and, and use the footy. I think he changed the way the game played a couple of times throughout his coaching career. And I know um, he was good for me. He didn't pigeonhole me in terms of, mate, you got to truck it forward, play the ball as quick as you can, which yeah, is part of my role. But he also understood that, you know, I could pass the ball and I was a different point of attack. You know, the first point of attack was always out of dummy half with Robbie Farah, you know, and then it'd go to Benj or Princey. And then, you know, I could link between those, Three and out the back to Hodjo. So we had some different points of attack. And um, like I said, like Sheenzy was really good for me as, as, as a footy player and, and probably um, has the biggest influence on, on the way that I like to coach. Yeah. You, um, you hung the boots up in 2011 and mm-hmm. transitioned pretty much straight into coaching with immediate success, coaching the, the Tigers 20s to the premiership in the NYC that year. Um, yeah. Had you always intended to move straight into coaching after your playing career? It wasn't something to, that I really thought about until I got to the age of 27, 26, 27. Um, I guess I always thought a little bit differently about my footy. like to watch how other teams did things, um, how you could potentially pull teams apart. Um, you know, I've been in discussion a lot with, with Hodjo, who was a similar type of player. He thought about his footy. That's Brett Hodgson. Uh, Robbie Farah, um, the same. So, yeah, once I started to think about what I was going to do post-footy, it really was uh, clear for me to see that I wanted to get into coaching. And like I said before around Tim, he knew my ambitions and he, he really encouraged it. And I did some pathway stuff while I was playing at the Tigers with their Cub squads. Um, you know, it wasn't a great deal, but, um, you know, I was very fortunate that Tim gave me a shot straight as an under-20s coach, which I, I understand that was further up the food chain than, than most guys get to start out at, and I was really grateful for that. And, yeah, we had some success, had a, a reasonably strong team. We finished fourth in the regular season, but we just got the timing right in the belief, and we strung the last five or six games together and knocked over a couple of um, better sides on the way through to the grand final win. And Canberra in the grand final too, who were the red-off favourites that year too. Yeah, they had uh, Anthony Milford, Edric Lee, Branko Lee, um, Patrick Magos played some first grade, Michael Cheekam. Um, so they had a pretty strong side. Shannon Boyd up front. So, you know, our side was pretty strong too. We had Marika Corribetti on the wing. Uh, we had David Nofaluma on the other wing. Um, we had... Suwaso Sue's played some first grade. Um, yeah, the difference between us and the other team, we're probably a little bit more mature across the park in terms of body shape and size. So that really 
was important at that age level. Yeah. Well, in 2014, you were named as Mick Potter's assistant at the Tigers. Yeah. Did you throw your hat in the ring for the for the top job in 2015? And uh, yes, I was interviewed. Yep, yep. yep. But uh, the other assistant, uh, Dave Kidwell, was interviewed as well. Um, I think there was a couple of others. You know, yeah. Looking back, you know, that was the wrong thing to do. I should have just been more patient. Um, you know, I wasn't ready and I'm grateful that I didn't get that opportunity. So, um, you know, I went to Townsville. Um, it was just three or four weeks I was without a job. So I had to take a step backwards and, and coach 20s primarily. And I was an assistant to the, to the NRL side on a small scale. Um, in those four years there, I, I learned a lot about, um, about coaching, about myself, about putting together a good program. So, yeah, it was a really good move. Um, really um, happy that it worked out that way, looking back in hindsight. Yeah. Well, um, we'll fast forward to 2018 and you replaced your old teammate, Cappy McFadden, as assistant coach at the Warriors. How did the move mm -hmm. to the Warriors come about? Yeah, it was just getting some, you know, four years at, at, um, at the Cowboys. I just thought it was the right time for me to, to grow and try and test myself um, in a new environment, um, you know, as a coach, you always need to learn. I think I was just at that right time just to, to try and do something different. I had a talk with, um, had a couple of talks with Canberra at the time. And, um, you know, not that I got the choice in the end, but I knew deep down that if I had gone to Canberra, it would have been for the wrong reasons. It would have been to, you know, my wife's family down there, my mother's down there, but this was more professional decision to go across to New Zealand, uh, different experience for the wife and kids as well. And um, in the end, it, that, that happened quicker than the Canberra thing was bobbing away. So yeah, committed to Warriors and yeah, it was, mate, had a great time in New Zealand. We were only there for, in the end, we we're only there for 14 months. We spent the last five, six months in Australia. So um, yeah, look, back at my time in Auckland in particular and particularly at the Warriors yeah really enjoyed it um I was thriving myself my family we're all happy together um you know Auckland's a great town the club's full of good people uh, that playing group uh, I'll always hold them close to my heart yeah it's a great time yeah, yeah well it's awesome to hear that yeah we'll we'll, we'll fast forward to the, the 2020 season and we went into 2020 with what um, many people considered to be a subpar roster and, and not really any major off-season signings other than Wade Egan. Um, mm -hmm. But the preseason didn't start too well either with the Nines competition probably not going to plan and then a, a, no joy in the trial matches as well. So how confident were the boys heading into the start of the season? Yeah, it's a difficult one because we didn't put any emphasis on the Nines. You know, at the end of the day, the coaching staff and, and Steve will be judged on what happens in the NRL Premiership. So, you know, we got a, we got whacked. We threw, put some kids. Um, we had, you know, pretty top-heavy in terms of forwards and a nine squad, and we got found out, you know. Um, we tried to evolve and, and change the way that we played um, in the 13-a-side version of what we were doing. Um you know, we knew that we'd had to take 
time and a bit of pain for it to get where we wanted to get to. And in the end, um, it wasn't quite working. The competition split up again. And then obviously um, we met as coaches and the players and we just, we just peeled it back a little bit to the way that we were playing beforehand. We wanted to play with a bit more width from dummy half and it wasn't always, um, you know, you had to kind of rely on um, good conditions to play that style of footy and you weren't always going to get that in Auckland, even though we didn't play there a lot. It just, you know, we just went back to, you know, I guess similar to the way we were playing the year before. Um, yeah, and we were 0-2 come season breakup after round two. Well, I think it's fair to say that 2020 didn't go to plan for anybody. Um, no. that, that round one match at Newcastle, I remember that. I was up there for that. Uh, yeah. And um, I think you remember my mate uh, Josh Gage got to chat to the boys before the game. Yeah. Um, I think that game will be more remembered for what was happening off the field than what was happening live during the game. I know uh, Cameron George was fielding phone calls back and forth. Mm-hmm. And um, and that decision to keep the competition afloat literally meant that the Warriors stayed in Australia with pretty much the shirts on their back. Yeah. Uh, and the boys would have found that out after coming off that 20 nil leading by Canberra in that in those shit, uh, not Canberra, Newcastle in those shit conditions. Yeah. Feeling of the group at that time, um, like learning that they were going to be here at that stage, they thought indefinitely. Yep, so we had always intended to get on the bus and fly home the following day. So we're going to bus to Sydney and then fly home um, back to Auckland the following day. We had a couple of the executives from the NRL turn up to the hotel. Um, We got told in the sheds after the game what the possibility that could happen once we got to the hotel. uh, You know, it was a pretty big decision what the players... um, had to do and they wanted a decision quickly. Um, the lads committed to two weeks about staying in Australia for two weeks and then reassessing after that. I was pretty adamant that the players were going to go home after that fortnight period. Um, in that little time frame, obviously everyone kind of understood that, you know, if we did go home, the season fall over, you know, players wouldn't get paid. And, you know, they dug in and in the end, the, the, you know, the, the COVID spread too much and the decision was made for us. But it was, yeah, it was a crazy time. Things were changing from one hour to the next. Um, the uncertainty of it all was probably the hardest part. And, you know, we had a job to do and it was difficult. Yeah, well, the competition after that went into hiatus, as you said before, after the round two game against Canberra on the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. And most of the squad returned to New Zealand and went into lockdown. Can you mm-hmm. give us a bit of an insight as to sort of what happened with the players and the coaching staff over this time? Yep. So, yeah, we're in lockdown. So we did a lot of these type things. We had Zoom meetings almost daily. Um, we had to put a lot of faith and trust in the players that they would hold their end of the bargain up and stay fit as they could, um, do as much training as they could on their own, which is, you know, really difficult. Um, we were in a stage four lockdown. We, you know, the Australian clubs had a clear advantage on us at that time. Uh, we spent seven weeks apart. Um, you guys are in the same boat as, as we were. Um, 
from a family point of view, it was good to slow down and have a bit of time with our families. But from a professional point of view, it was really hard, um, you know, from where we were 0-2, trying to get the improvements out of our footy team. I just knew we were just going to have to start a little bit behind everyone else, which wasn't a comfortable feeling at all. Yeah, because um, I, I think New Zealand dealt with the pandemic completely differently to Australia because you guys were in total lockdown. We still had yeah. some, you know, we are still able to do uh, some some things. And I, I, I don't know what the other NL clubs were, uh, other NL clubs were doing. Um, yeah. The announcements made to resume the competition and a date was set. Yeah. I don't think anyone really understands the magnitude of that decision for our players. Can, can you describe again what it's like with the players now having to say goodbye to their families for another unspecified time frame? Yeah. Again, it was the uncertainty around what we're walking into. Um, you know, the chat amongst the group and amongst the coaches that you know possibly eight to ten weeks. Um, our families would join us once the season started and then once things cooled down we were able to come back and resume as normal as possible when the when the um, outbreak in Melbourne happened I think that's when it really a bit of clarity around what was going to happen we obviously knew that we were going to have to stick out the season and um, that's that first few week period I thought our setup in Tamworth was probably the best um, situation we could find ourselves in in terms of improving as a team um, we had a great setup at the at the West Leagues Club there that the training paddock was 50 metres across the car park and um, I set up a gym so and, and we were well looked after by the staff there it was terrific you know we, it was the first time you know I seen our guys start to talk footy and just hang around each other a lot um, in Auckland with the time difference uh, you don't get to watch a lot of footy live and our guys you know I think being a rugby league player I know when I grew up I watched a lot of footy but you know players nowadays don't do a lot of it and I just saw our, our combinations grow at that time even though we weren't really playing it was you know we couldn't do anything else so you know other than play cards, a bit of Xbox, the players would get across to the park, train a paddock, you know, when they got a few hours off and kick the footy around, you know, mucking around, playing some touch, um, you know, talking plays, talking field positions, you know, all those little things that, that make a, a good footy team tick. And, yeah, like I said, that, that two-week period was invaluable for us for what we're rolling into in terms of the season. Yeah. Yeah, no, the the, um, the town really seemed to embrace you guys, and obviously yeah. had the the um, postcode there on the jerseys and everything. So it seemed like a great experience for all, and and um, yeah, it, and the, the big harker that, that you guys gave the players gave um, for farewell is one of the most memorable moments of the season too. Yep, yep. Strange because we didn't see one bit of the town. Um, we were locked away. <laughs> In the you know, there was a big fence around the whole compound. Um, but the staff there, you know, we were there, we were only there for well, three, three and a half weeks, but we got to know them quite well. Um, you know, and they were sad to see us go. And when we went back there to play the Knights, you know, they were, they were really grateful for what we were able to do for them in terms of coming back and putting a bit 
back into the town and you know, that was our own little way to repay what they did because they had to make a pretty quick decision around taking us in into their community. I know it wasn't welcomed by all parts of the community, you know, even though New Zealand was cleaner in, in, in the COVID states, but the perception around bringing us into their their town, you know, wasn't well met in, in, in some areas. So, um, yeah, we were very grateful for what they were able to do for us. Quick notice, short notice, um, and, and we just tried to, you know, put on a good performance in that game against the Knights, which we did. Yeah, absolutely you did. Um, when the competition resumed, we had a couple of wins. Uh, there was that Dragons win, and we, I think we beat the Cowboys. Uh, mm-hmm. but we had those two big losses to Penrith and, and, and then South, which seemed to overshadow um, and ultimately lead to SK's sacking. How yep. blinds- I, I don't know if you can talk about this, but how blindsided was the group and what was the reaction amongst the players when this news came through? Yep. Um, it was complete shock to everyone. You know, I got a phone, I, myself personally, I got a phone call 8 o'clock the day after that game against South. I'm pretty sure it was South. South, yeah. Um, yeah, Cameron told me what the club had made a decision and um, he wanted to know whether I would take on the role and they wanted an answer pretty quick. Uh, I felt sick in the stomach, you know, for Steve and um, for our group. Um, I needed some time. Um, straight away, I went looking for, for Steve and coincidentally and fortunately that he had his wife, Piri, down at you know, from the night before, um, I walked up into Steve, Stacey and Tony's room and asked where Mooks was and they could just tell, I'm talking to Tony and Stacey, could just tell by the look at my face that something wasn't right. And they just asked me what was wrong and I had to tell them. Um, yeah, went and found Mooks. He was pretty upset, um, understandably. And, um, you know, the, the, the group was frustrated and upset at best, you know, and, um, you know, some ways a lot, a lot of them were angry and, yeah, which is understandable. They were blindsided. Uh, we're in the midst of trying to dig ourselves out of, you know, where we were and um, just felt a little bit isolated, I guess, and yeah, it was a tough 24 to 48 hours for everyone. Yeah, we spoke to Jazz two weeks ago and kind of asked him the same kind of question and, um, he, he, he didn't mince his words. He didn't hold back on, on what he had to say about it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was just one of those things. Because as fans, we um, yeah, we, we were totally blindsided. It was, Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. And, it, and it seemed odd that the timing seemed odd considering what the team was going through. And yep. I mean, we're not privy to you know what goes on back behind closed doors and in head office and that. But just with everything that was going on, it just seemed like a really odd timing. Um, yeah. Hindsight will probably tell us it probably worked out a little bit better than uh, what everyone thought it would, but just a bit weird. Yeah, I know the players felt angry. Um, They felt angry that that the decision was being made by people that weren't actually living and breathing what we're trying to do. So, you know, they just felt a little bit let down in that regard. Um, I know Steve and, sorry, I know Tony and Stace, like they, were, they were really pissed about um, Steve and the way he'd been treated first and foremost. One of the reasons why I really liked working with those guys is the amount of trust and belief they had in each other. And first and foremost, they were friends and, and they've been friends for a long time. And I could feel that and see that. 
Um, that's why I liked working with them. You know, they could say what they wanted and they wouldn't offend anyone. No one felt threatened by anything. So I just really enjoyed that little, that work environment with those, with those four in particular. And understandably, they, those two guys I've just mentioned, Stacey and, and Tony, they were really pissed and it took um, Tony a few days extra than, than Stacey to get over it. So, yeah, it was a tough time. Yeah, well, well, you were then appointed as interim coach. So mm -hmm. tell us a bit more about the immediate challenges that you faced after this appointment. Yep. Um, so I can't, must have played on Friday night, but so I gave the boys, you know, a good 48 hours just to um, process what was happening and, and decompress in some way. We met on Sunday night, I'm pretty sure, around five o'clock. Uh, we didn't do any review. We just sat in a round circle, all the staff, all the players. I said, look, guys, you know, what is done is done. You know, we can't really control that. And I'm really upset that Steve's had to go through it. But, um, you know, here's your chance to, to share how you're feeling. Um, say what's on your, on your chest. Um, once we get it out in the open, um, I just need a commitment that if you're going to stay, we're going to dig in um, and get on with it. I'm also giving you guys a chance. If you don't want to stay, you have six o'clock until six o'clock tonight to come and knock on my door and I'm not going to stand in your way. I understand completely where you're coming from. If you want to go home, you can go home. So that's, you know, we had a few guys, you know, really express how disappointed and angry and frustrated and hurt they were about it all. And in the end, um, and I was sitting in my room, six o'clock ticked over, I thought, sweet, I'm, we're home. Everyone's on board. And then five past six, I get a, a knock on the door and we have a couple of guys um, tell us that, yep, it's, they wanted to go home for different reasons, which is understandable. And, you know, we, we arranged, we worked out an arrangement for them to go home, asked that they can um, just commit for two weeks. Um, and then once that date there's a few things floating about as well. So we hadn't got um, official confirmation that they could um, bring the families over. We're just waiting um, to, for the, oh, what's the exemption? It's called the exemption to get um, okayed. And if we hadn't heard by that date, they could get on the plane the next day. And there was two weeks time, nothing come about. Um, and in the end, they, they end up leaving. That um, your first game in charge was that Melbourne game. Mm -hmm. Probably one of the most memorable things for us as fans was your press conference after that game. Yep. It was refreshing to hear a coach speak honestly about his um, expectations of the team, his appraisal of the game. And that's, yep. something, that's something as Warriors fans, and no disrespect to other Warriors coaches, but that's something as Warriors fans we've never experienced before. Uh, our it's kind of become um, ex accepted that poor performances are part of the Warriors' culture and therefore you know, the, the coaches in their press conference haven't been as um, scathing as what you were. And I think that was the moment that a lot of us sat up and thought, this guy's the real deal for this job. Mm. Um, and as you said, it was well reported there was some unrest amongst the playing group. And we all know that um, Ken Fuss, Ignatius, um, uh, Pulu and Wunyawa Yayawa went home. 
I think that was after the Cronulla game. Yeah. Um, was there any others that were close to leaving that you knew of? No, not not that I knew personally. I, I know there were some guy, different guys struggling at different times throughout the course of the year, which is completely understandable. All of our young kids, I don't think they've spent that far much time away from home. Um, you know, I really felt for Rog. I know it was well documented that Rog was the only player that didn't have his family there and his kids were young. You know, he left when his youngest was six months old and got home when, you know, just before first birthday. So there's a lot of changes in that time. Um, all the staff, apart from myself, my family come over after, you know, five months. We had five months apart, um, but the rest of the staff, they didn't have any, any family there. So, um, Everyone did a tough at different times. Um, but in saying that, there's a lot of positives to come out of it. Like we we come together so well as a team. And I, I know that's purely for the fact that we were actually living together for, for five months in, a, in an apartment. It was kind of like Melrose Place. I don't know if you ever watched that show years ago, but that's exactly what it was like. Um, the young guys looking after each other, they'd, they'd share cooking duties from apartment to apartment. The, the, the families that were there, um, I, I saw our, our, our boys and how good of fathers they were and that was really good to watch. And the families that were there were having a good time together. And we just, I just saw the connection and the belief grow in the group. Um, you know, so as hard as it was, there were so many good parts about it. I really enjoyed our time together at Terrigal. Yeah. Who did the food shopping? Sorry? Who did the food shopping? Did they have to do their own food shopping? Yeah, so we had we had a chef there and he cooked for us um, day before the game, day of the game, and then every, everything around that. The players wanted a bit of normality and they wanted to cook themselves. So um, we had an allowance and they would go and get the food and, and do it as if we were at home. So, yeah, it was, it was some good stuff there. Yeah. Just, um, just back to the players and, and some of them leaving, obviously. Did the club have a contingency plan if, say, half the team did decide to leave? Um, no. Uh, not, not as such. Um, we'd always been given permission by the NRL to, to get loan players, but I reckon that would have been stretched if we had to get 10 or so players. Um, yeah, our, our guys were really good that, that stayed here and the guys that went home, they, were, they had some real reasons to, to go home. So there was no real resentment or discouragement from the players' point of view or the coaching staff point of view, even from the club, you know. So um, everyone completely understood everyone else's situation. So um, the guys that stayed behind, they just, they just got on with it and uh, did really well. Played some really good footy at times. You, you mentioned the loan players before, and that's something that's been tossed around for a while prior to 2020. Mm -hmm. That became mm -hmm. a very real thing this season. How did that first come about with um, Poesa Farm and Sully coming to the club as the first loan player? And mm -hmm. um, was it as easy to get these guys to come as we thought it was going to be, as fans? Um, so I guess the difficult part was that we had to absorb the cost 
of it, you know, through through our our club. So it wasn't cheap. Um, players that were on loan to us obviously weren't getting a game. So there's benefits to go to both parties. Um, each player that come into our system, they just dive straight into it. Uh, it was a lot of information, um, meeting a lot of new people, you know, play calls, field position, sets, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, the information overload for the first couple of days would have been a bit of an eye-opener. I thought our coaches handled that really well with delivering that to each player. Um, and then the guys, they just come in and they, yeah, they, they were great. They were really great. They, they, they weren't shy. Um, the only kid I thought, you know, was probably Albert Hopawati as an 18-year-old kid. He was a little bit younger and probably hadn't been exposed to that so much. But the, the more experienced guys, you know, the two Parramatta boys, they were first class. I thought um, Hedrow, he just, you know, he was really good for the group. He probably showed our guys a different way to play footy and a different way to train. And, um, you know, the guys around him just felt taller and, and tougher. Um, yeah, so there was, you know, it, was, it wasn't as hard as some people were suggesting. You know, at the end of the day, it was all footy. Um, the boys just wanted to play. Um, you know, just the information was probably the more difficult part. Yeah, well, all those guys, like you said, played awesome for us. They'll all be fondly remembered for a long time by all Warriors fans. What, was, mm -hmm. was it a condition of the lone player agreement that the lone players had to be in the game day 17? Um, no, no, no. Um, a couple of them, you know, we had a, a conversation with the club itself if they were going to be loaned and they wanted to play. Um, and then with Albert, we couldn't make him that promise. But um, where we were from a, from a group point of view and the injuries and all that sort of stuff, they, they had to play. So um, to answer your question, there wasn't an out-and-out -out agreement that they had to play. But um, where we were, you know, it just worked out that way. Um, we we had a fan poll, and I think most people, most Warriors supporters loved uh, George Jennings in a Warriors jersey. Um, who was the one that impressed you the most uh, that bought into pretty much everything that you guys were doing? Yeah, I thought Dan Alvaro did a really good job. I know George played some really good footy and scored some good tries. Um, George is a quieter kid, where Dan's probably a little bit more um, senior and been around and played some more first-grade games. And he, he spoke really well in a lot of our meetings. Um, yeah, so in terms of sliding straight into the group, he, he, he felt right at home from the start. I know he really enjoyed his time with us. He didn't get a great deal of, of game time, but I um, thought he added some real value, um, some leadership and, you know, some really good traits on the training part. So if I had a tip, point out one guy, it was probably him because it just purely demeanour and energy around the group had, and it was infectious. Yeah, well, we'll just throw back to your, your first um, NRL game in charge against Melbourne. And, and mm -hmm. the team started pretty well in that game, but ultimately ended up with a 50-point shellacking. Yeah. Um, what, what do you remember most about your first game day experience as a head coach in the NRL? Um, I 
remember the score line. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a strange one because we, we competed really hard for the first 20 minutes. Um, we should have scored a couple of tries um, and then they go down and, and score a try pretty much full length of the field against the run of play. And that's when I thought we really struggled and I wasn't happy with the effort from certain players in moments at the game. And that's what I, what I made really clear in, in my post-match address to the players. If we're, we're going to be here, we, we've got to put in an effort that you're proud of, um, that you know everyone back home is proud of. So I just try to make it more about, not about themselves and more about who we're representing and why we're there. Um, you know, and that took a couple of weeks. Um, but in the end, I thought that message got through and, you know, I mean, you know they were working really hard for their teammate beside them because that's what footy's about. Like, you, you just need to, when things get tough, you just need to keep turning up for the bike next year. The... Um... The Roosters game was a real turning point for our season, I thought. Um, despite losing the match on the scoreboard, we won back some respect. Mm -hmm. a pretty tough performance. Um, Jack Hetherington not backing down to JWH um, and then watching JWH have a bit of a sook after the game was pretty memorable. Um, yep. Do you look back on that game, uh, on that match as being pivotal for the change in attitude, which pretty much became synonymous with our every other performance for the remainder of the season, showing that resilience and that mental toughness? Yeah, I thought, yeah, I agree with you. Probably the Broncos game, I reckon if we had lost that game, um, it would have made it for a real long season. But I think we got behind in that game by 10 points. Um, we fought our way back. And, and, and I reckon that was probably the point where we started to believe a little bit, kind of understood how important it is just to put the effort in continuously for you know, play after play, set after set. And then when things get tough, you can rely on the guy next year. So, you know, through talk and effort, and I thought that was probably not necessarily the turning point, but just the ignition that, you know, that belief was starting to grow. If we had lost that game, well, I don't know how the season would have panned out. But, um, you know, that, I can't remember who we played after that, but there was two or three games... The, goal, Sorry? The, goal, the, the Titans on the Gold Coast. I was just going yeah. to ask because that was a pretty, pretty uh, yeah. lesson, a good lesson afterwards about how things can change in one week, I suppose. Yeah. And there was the Cronulla game, which was the game just before the boys went home. Yeah. Yeah. So the Titans game was a was a missed opportunity in my eyes. I know we got out to a twelve point lead. Um, there was some things in that game that went against us, and we didn't handle that really well. Um, the, 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 the Hetherington disallowed try, you know, that would have been 18 nil. Um, there was a penalty in front of the pies at that point, which should have been given. And the referees told us through the week that that was wrong along with the Hetherington try. So that would have been 20 nil. Yeah. Um, and then there was a penalty right at the death of the game where Pet Hickey got penalized for an escort penalty. Um, and they scored off the back of that penalty. Um, where Blake tried to knock the ball dead, and That's and right. that and that ruling again was expressed to me by the referee's boss as being wrong, and it was really heartbreaking, you know, 
three three big calls that didn't go against that didn't go our way has an, an immediate effect on the, on the result and yeah um, you know it was a game we should have we should have won and you know it come back to bite us in the back end of the season. Yeah, well, well, after after the the uh, the loss to the Roosters, like Mark said before, we played really well. Um, we got yep. the back-to-back wins against the Tigers and Manly, and, and we really looked to be getting on a roll. It was around yep. that time, though, that there was speculation that you might be offered the head coaching role full time, but mm-hmm. um, that you, you famously turned that down live on, on NRL 360. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're like, we're all we're all shocked, but um, you clearly had a pretty good idea of, of what you wanted. Um, yep. particularly you know, with the family health issues that, that you said mm-hmm. and possibly due to the conditions of the, of the contract offer. How, yeah. how did the squad respond to your decision to not accept the head coaching role? Yeah, it was a strange few hours. So to, I'll, get, I'll fill you in on how it all happened. Um, so I'd been offered the job... Um, made a decision to turn it down based on, um, you know, obviously reassessing things around the family situation and the COVID thing just highlighted how important it was. My father-in-law has had chemo and had an operation since, so he's doing really well, but that was weighing on my mind. Um, I'd agreed to do an interview on 360 and, um, and it took that video, uh, sorry, interview. They were asking me um, if I was to be the Warriors coach, what would be different, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I did the interview. It was a pre-record based on the fact that, um, you know, I was still in the mix to be the Warriors coach. I uh, got off the phone call, just didn't sit right with me. You know, I've been into my players about honesty, um, been in my plays, you know, about other different things and how could I say that but not act that. So I rang the guys back up on 360, did a live cross and that's how it panned out. So, yeah, it was a strange couple of hours. Um, from there, I went. Our, our boys were having a team dinner, um, walked straight in there and just addressed them. And I think by the time I got there, it had been out on Twitter. So... You know, a couple of the guys knew, but they were, they were pretty good. I explained completely why and how it evolved. Um, and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm sure a couple of the guys weren't happy, but, you know, in the end, they, they understood why. I, um, we, I'm going to ask you a question you don't have to answer. You can just plead the fifth on this one. But yep. we in Fanland heard that they'd offer you a one-year deal Mm-hmm. Uh, to take on the head coaching role. Yeah. Um, if that was true, do you think, had they waited two or three more weeks, they would have offered you a longer deal, seeing the success that you were having with the squad? Or yep. was one year deal the only thing that they were going to offer because you're a coach, so to speak? No, that's completely wrong. I was offered a three year contract. Okay, cool. Yep. Yep. Because, yeah, that, that were the reports we're getting from different yep. news media here in Australia. So, yep. Yeah. No, 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 completely wrong. It was a three-year contract. Um, yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, that yeah. was. I don't know where that's come from, but that's completely untrue. It was a three-year contract, and 
yeah, it wasn't an easy decision because it's something that I've been working towards for a long time now. Um, you know, nine years as a professional coach to have it right in front of you and to to not take it wasn't 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 an easy thing to do. I had a lot of sleepless nights, knowing that you know in the end I I could end up with nothing and I would be coming back to Australia almost looking to become an assistant and those opportunities were drying up week by week as well. So it wasn't um, it wasn't easy. If, if you hadn't have got the Cowboys job, though, you still had a year to run on your contract. Yep. Yeah, I did. I had another 12 months. In the end, if I didn't have a job, I would have attempted to stay, you know, but I don't know if it would have worked out that way. In some ways, it's probably almost untenable between myself and and the Warriors. And and I understood that. I understood that. But, you know, as it worked out, things, yeah, were very fortunate. Yeah, we really appreciate your honesty there and and for clearing that up. But regardless of the news about you not not taking on the head role, you you were able to keep the keep the team to task and, and performing consistently at a high level as well. So how did mm-hmm. you go about achieving this despite everything going on in the background, you know? Yep. Yeah, oh, look, I thought all our staff did a tremendous job. Tony and, and Stacey, you know, shuffled the decks there. So they went to our attack. Um, I, I moved over from attack to defence with Justin Morgan. Um, a guy called James Durant who does all our wrestling stuff we, we put you know we almost give him free reign and we just gave our players constant individual feedback which I thought the more that we gave them the more they wanted so that was a good lesson for me as a coach um, you know we try to simplify things a lot in the way that we attacked um, we're playing more direct um, and we're enjoying what we're doing you know like turning up every day to work, enjoying it. I know winning helps, but the spirit and, you know, the enthusiasm, the way that our staff took it on, it was infectious. And then, you know, players were smiling, they were happy. And we played some tremendous footy there and we scored some great, great tries. And we competed. We competed our asses off. I know that Penrith game was really wet and they had a bucket load more ball than us and they only rolled us by eight points. I think they had something like, 10, 11 more sets. Yeah. And, you know, I know we lost that game. It was probably the more, one of the more um, proud I've been as a coach during that whole season, just the way that we hung in there and we never, never turned it in. Yeah. Um, you made no secret of the fact that RTS was feeling the effects of not having his family with him. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your conversations with him like? Because for us on the outside looking in, he, there was no deviation in his in his performances on or off the field. He, yep. You know, he's a tremendous character throughout the whole ordeal. Yep. I thought he, he led our club terrifically well. He led the players with his effort and energy around training. I just could tell that he was clouded in his thoughts. And Roger's the type of player, as are most, the clearer they are, in their mind, the better they play. And, you know, there were some periods there where I just knew that he was just, he was always on the phone, um, you know, um, 
and he just wasn't his bubbly, vibrant self at different times through the week. So, you know, I couldn't do too much more than just talk to him, see how he's travelling. Um, I know when he did his hamstring right at the very end, we offered him the opportunity to go home a few days earlier and he and he knocked it back. He wanted to stay and I just thought, wow, what, yeah, what a, what a, what a person putting his team and his club and his teammates first, you know, above his family. And he would have got home maybe eight or nine days earlier than the rest of us. But, Cross, I don't know if I could have done that. Yeah, that was awesome leadership for sure from the captain. Um, the, the, round, the round 17 lost to Parramatta and the round 18 lost to Cronulla effectively ended our fairy tale ending of a, of a finals appearance. But after that, how hard was it to keep the group focused with them effectively having a definite date to return to their families within two weeks? Yep, it was pretty hard. <laughs> it was hard <laughs> not just for the players, but for the staff. Um, you know, in terms of our, our post-game stuff, we didn't essentially do a formal review. Um, our first training session back, it's probably it is our first chance to to delve into what we're facing the following week in terms of um, sets and and sequences and structure from a from a defensive point of view. Um, we can that training. No, not didn't can the training session, but we we just play games and and try to keep the guys um, upbeat and enjoying themselves. And then, you know, the decision around that was on the proviso that we would have to have a bigger day um, in our next session, cover off attack ND, and then put the icing on the cake with our captain's run. And I thought that worked pretty well. Um, you know, I know the guys were buzzing after that first, first train day after a couple of tough defeats, you know, the disappointment of, you know, missing out in the finals and, and they knuckled down. They made that commitment when we when we offered them that opportunity to to you know just relax a bit on that first session. But they they knuckled down when they needed to and showed some real maturity and real professionalism. And yeah, we won that last game. Played you know we didn't start great, but again we just hung in there and, and scored some good tries and um, finished off you know the right way. Yeah, because that that round nineteen game against Canberra. That could have, mm -hmm. like they could have been forgiven for putting in a lackluster performance and, and the, the score being a blowout, but they didn't. They turned up again. You know, they no. showed that resilience. Yeah. Point not to know this year. Um, yeah. Yeah, but losing Roger during that match was very hard for him. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, I was. I was really nervous on that game, just knowing that we had been knocked out. Um, you know, and it wasn't a traditional day of travel for us. So we were on, we were at Terrigal. We had a we had an hour and a half bus to Sydney, and then we had a, a short flight, and then we had to get bus straight to the ground. And we literally had two and a half hours before kickoff because uh, we were kicking off at two o'clock in the day. So we usually either kick off at four or seven o'clock, which just gave us that little bit of a gap. Um, and a bit of breathing space to prepare as well as we could mentally and physically. But, you know, the early kickoff um, meant that we didn't have that breathing space. And, you know, our other opportunity, our other option was to 
leave like at 6am and on game day, that's, yeah, it was, it was too difficult. So I was really nervous as a coach leading to that game. Um, after 15, 20 minutes, I, I just, you know, I just knew the nerves were unwarranted. Um, I don't know, I just probably lacked a little bit of faith at that time, but um, all the signs were, were good. And, and the players just hung in there and showed some real grit and, and resilience, which they had done for the last few months. Yeah, we, you, you touched on the final round game before with the convincing win against Manly. And it's quite fitting that the team saved their two best performances um, of the season for the round 16 win at, at Tamworth against Newcastle. So to thank the community there and the round 20 win against Manly um, to farewell the Central Coast fans. So um, describe your feelings watching those two performances and were they two of the highlights of the season for you? Yeah, the, the Newcastle game was by far, you know, the highlight and the best for you that we played because we just played really mature, disciplined footy. Um, you know, we didn't push things. We just stayed patient. And at the back end of the game, you know, we got the rewards. And again, we just played some classy footy and scored some really good tries. And there was a game that we built over the first 60 minutes. Um, you know, that last game, again, was a good reward for everyone on the Central Coast. We could become part of the, the, the community there. I know I really enjoyed my time there. I got to know some people that, you know, would never really come across most of the time. And um, I know that the rest of the players felt right at home there because of the people in, in that in that town. So, um, yeah, it was just a good way to finish the season off, um, you know, really good way to cap off, you know, tough and, and at times... Um, challenging, but in the end, a really enjoyable, uh, memorable year. Yeah. Mm. And that, that round 20 game was always also um, farewelling one of the greatest Kiwi players of all time in Adam Blair. Um, yeah. Uh, I feel fortunate that I was there to watch that game, witness that, and all the on-field celebrations afterwards. Yeah. How did Adam and the squad approach that week? Um, I, I guess it would have been hard for... For Blairy, knowing that that was his the last time he was going to pull on the boots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I reckon it would have been yeah for Blairy it would have been difficult knowing that it was his last time. But that was just enough reason to get our guys going. Um, they wanted to pay him the respect that he deserved um, by putting in their best performance um, and making it a memorable day for him. I know it was you know I know for Jess and the boys um, it was difficult at times for them being at Terrigal, but, you know, man, he's a tremendous leader and, and footballer for our club. And the way um, I've seen him be a father and a leader amongst that group of men, made his first class Blair, he deserves every accolade. He, he, he got, you know, 300 games playing in the front row in that NRL is, you know, yeah. testament to his professionalism, uh, determination and his you know, toughness. Yeah, you, you spoke so highly of the guys in your final final game press conference in the last round there. Um, what will you miss most about the group? Um, yeah, look, I was, obviously where we were and how we were living, just the connection was amplified. So, uh, you know, I won't miss Jazz's cheekiness. Um, 
But in saying that, you know, every club needs one of him. Um, he's like the social glue for everyone. And then what he provided on the park for us, you know, a lot of it goes unseen. He does a lot of tough work. He plays big minutes. He plays well above his weight and he, and he doesn't take a backward step. So, um, you know, it's a good question. I was really... I just thought they were a really respectful young group of men, you know, and they wanted to get better and they turn up every day and we just enjoyed ourselves. And that's what I'm going to miss, you know, just, just them just being there every day. And, but you know, I'm in an environment now, which is very similar. You know, we're in a team environment. Um, very lucky what we do or what I do. So um, trying to recreate that as best as we can. We, um, the Warriors are certainly going to miss you. Uh, it's obvious that your coaching style and your man management uh, really suited our current squad. And I know the Cowboys will benefit massively from having you as a head coach. I, I want to thank you for looking after our, our boy, Lockie Burr. <laughs> Taking him up to, uh, to the Cowboys with you. Lockie played junior footy at the club I was president of. And my yep. mate, Juan, was his, uh, was his coach when he was a young, young kid. So, yep. Um, He's a good kid. He's um he's a, a good hard young player, and we're yep. happy he's found a home. We're happy you're looking after him. Yeah. Um, Rob's just going to ask you a couple of questions. I'm going to scroll the screen and check some fan questions for you. Yeah, just just you just got a couple of uh, quick fire questions um, that I'll ask you about the 2020 squad. Who was the funniest mm -hmm. player? Oh, yeah, old. Jazz, I just had, I just like Jazz the way he, he did things. He, he he called a spade a spade. Um, he had that little bit of streak of um, rat bag in him, and you know he was cheeky. I, I enjoyed him. You you probably answered the next one, but who was the biggest pest? Uh, oh, they they. I thought Carl um, Carl Lawton. Oh, Carl probably, Lawton. Yeah, top of the list there. Oh. Mad dog. Yeah, he was great. Too, for the group, you know, from a social aspect, bringing everyone together, making sure he's, you know, got the right attitude, really positive. But, you know, he also got that smart arseness, that Aussie smart arseness that can rub people the wrong way. Yeah, right. Okay. Had a very good season, though. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah. Um, best, best trainer. Yeah, oh, I would have to put Blairy up there, Roger, the, the two leaders of the club. Um, you know, Rog, you know, he's such an athlete. Everything he does is fast. You know, with Blairy, he gets the job done no matter how hard he or how old he felt. Um, and he just he just showed the, the our younger guys how to both of them did how to be professional on and off the field. Okay, what about what about the worst training? Oh, um, uh, we had some young guys. When we interviewed Jazz, he said it was uh, Torhu. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. He's bang on the money there. So I, I don't know how Jazz, uh, so Tohu can be a professional rugby league player. He hates to train. He hates physical contact. Um, you know, he doesn't like hanging around his teammates too often, but come three o'clock, kick off, mate. He's leading from the front. So, mate, he's a he again. He, he was a learning lesson for me because it just 
reminded me that everyone's different, you know. And, and Tohu, great family man, um, very quiet, very reserved, just like being left alone. Um, and in the environment that we were in, it probably stood out even more, you know, um, that he was just happy just looking after himself and his family. And, um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was an eye-opener. And I thought he did really well and played some great footy. We won't keep you too much longer, mate. Just a couple of fan questions. Who were your heroes growing up? Yep. Um, uh, from a sporting perspective or... Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah I, I grew up um, supporting Parramatta. Um, Peter Sterling, I can, you know, Ray Price. But then, you know, I jumped ship to the Raiders when they were in their heyday just before I got there. And I looked up to Ruben for a long time. Um, you know, Brad Clyde, Laurie Daly from the next town over from me and tomorrow. So, you know, I could name a lot of those guys. Um, yeah, Ruben's a great guy. We had, you know, he took me under his wing when I was 16, 17, 18 and, um, you know, learned a lot from him. This will probably, you probably answered this one then. Who was the toughest teammate you played with? Yeah, Roos would be up there. Um, Adrian Morley was another. I had 12 months at the Roosters. Um, but Gareth Ellis, again, he was a pommy from the at the Tigers. Tigers, yeah. yeah mate, he was, he was as hard as nails. He's still playing. Um, pardon? He's still yeah. playing. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't know how, but he's still playing. And then, like, even Brett Hodgson, like, he wasn't, he wasn't tough in the physical aspect of, you know, dominating other teammates, but the, the punishment he would take at training and in games, like that's a toughness that doesn't get the recognition that it should. Yeah. And from Gordon Tallis in origin. Speaking, yeah. <laughs> speaking of Ruben, did you ever drink carver with him? Yes. Yes? Yes, copious amounts at different times when I was young and old. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and... The most important question is, uh, what do you do with all your worries here you now that you're not there? Because I'm a double oh. XL or an XL. Um, oh. <laughs> you should have told me a few weeks ago because I, I'm giving it all away. I'm giving it all away. I'll have to send you some um, some cowboy stuff. What do you think? Yeah, you can do that. I'll tell you now, as, as much as you know, it pains me to say, like, you know, I mean, we've met Oh, you've done great things for, for our club this year. I, I've got a soft spot for the Cowboys now. Um, and I'll be rooting for them, just not when they're playing our Warriors. <laughs> well, it's the, it's the same for the Warriors for me. I mean, I, I'm so optimistic about what lies ahead for the club. I think they can use the, our last 12 months as a springboard because I know the belief's there. Um, they've got some really good signings. Um, you know, I'm really excited to see what they can produce this year. I think every every supporter and member should be really excited about what's happening. Um, some great people and the club deserves everything they they get moving forward. It's it's that thing in that mate. It's um we've always had the talent. It's just that mental fortitude that we've never really been known for. And you really brought that out this year. And we're certainly hoping that Nathan Brown can build on that culture and resilience that you uh, instilled in the squad this year. Um, but mate, I, I just want to thank you. Uh, for coming on, having a chat with us. Um, 
hoping you might do it again next year, even yeah. though you'll be the Cowboys coach. If we reach out to uh, have another live chat, maybe you'll come on and uh, speak to us about life up, up north. Yeah, it depends how we go. <laughs> how we go. <laughs> yeah, anytime. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks well, from me as well for so much for chatting with us. We certainly hope that you'll look back on your time with the club with great memories. And yeah. we hope that you're not lost the club forever. So who knows? You may be back one day, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll personally never forget your contribution to the club and you'll be forever etched in Warriors folklore. And, and I just want to say thanks for giving the fans something to believe in. And, and, and can we ask, whatever you had going, can you bottle that and send it to Nathan Brown? Uh, I think it's already there, mate. Either, Thanks, Todd. Uh, it's really already there. All right, no worries. Thanks for having me, guys. No worries. Thanks a lot, Todd. Cheers. No worries. See you Thank later. You. Bye. Mate. Here we have it, our 2020 coach. Yeah. Very candid interview. Um, really spoke openly and honestly, which we, we knew he would. Um, yes. Yeah, so... Uh, it's great, yeah. He was just... We, we've just been so lucky that all of all of our guests have just spoken to us so so honestly and, and told us, you know, filled us in a bit more about the situation of the craziness that was 2020, right? I, um, I just want to give a shout-out to two uh, guys who did tune in, have been tuned in and watching us tonight, and that's two of our upcoming guests, Mr... Kevin Campion, who will be on the show next week, and then Cam George, who's on the show in uh, two weeks. They uh, tuned in to watch that, that little uh, interview we did with uh, Todd. So thanks, boys. Thanks, guys. We're really looking forward to chatting with you guys as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, mate. Uh, yeah, very insightful. Um, yeah. As you said, he's, he'll forever be etched in folklore of, um, of Warriors history. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. He, um, he did get... No, I didn't tell him but he did get named as my coach in my top set in my seven. that's right yes I, I, yeah I thought, I thought you had named him yeah so there you go yeah. um, he's in the Ruin Hammer Hall of Fame he is in the Ruin <laughs> Hammer Hall of Fame we'll have to get him a, a Ruin Hammer shirt and hat when we get them made up we, we'll do that so Todd one's coming your direction sometime yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll send him my size so he can send me a Cowboys shirt I'll take yeah. it as long as it's signed there you go yeah right yeah saying saying go the Warriors yeah something like that yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, mate. So, yeah, that was good. Um, Brilliant. So, origin. Origin. So we'll talk about the talk about the women's origin first. Yep. Um, so, obviously, I, I made the trip to the sunny coast. On uh, I battled the uh, peak hour traffic to get up to the sunny coast for that game. But it's a good little stadium up there, the Sunshine Coast Stadium. It's it's not massive, but um, yeah, pretty relaxed atmosphere there. We we were on the hill. Um, behind the goalpost it was it was really nice and relaxed as i said everyone was just there to watch a good game of footy and that's definitely what we saw um yeah it was a very very entertaining game actually great performance from the queenslanders essentially they they had the game wrapped up with about you know 15 minutes to go and a bit of a late flurry there from the blues but they should have learned the blues should have learned something from nathan cleary in the uh, grand final and declined that final kick at goal because um that, <laughs> Yeah, people have to know the rules. Um, yeah, but that, that that sort of ended the, the sort of the contest there at the end. But all, all of the Warriors girls had had very good games, very strong games. Um, I was lucky enough to, to briefly catch up with Karina Brown and, and uh, Shania Power afterwards and got a got a photo with the trophy as well. Yeah, 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 that was great. 
was awesome because that's the first time uh, Queensland have won the, the Women's State of Origin trophy. So that was brilliant. Uh, Robbie Reyes is asking, Hammer, what sports do you follow other than rugby and league? Do you follow the NBA? I, I follow, obviously, the Warriors. Um, I follow the rugby All Blacks. And I'm an Auckland Blues man in the uh, Super Rugby. Uh, in the NBA, I follow the Brooklyn Nets um, pretty much because they're black and white. And <laughs> but they they could have a big acquisition very soon. James Harden apparently is in talks yeah, traded that. there, so that'll be a big that'll be a big get. Um, and in the NFL, I've, I I follow the the Raiders purely for the colours, but I've always been a Cowboys man uh, yep. from back in '78 when. Uh, I watched my first game with my dad and I wrote them a letter and they responded and sent me a, a team poster and everything back in 78. So, nice. soft spot for the Cowboys. Yeah. I don't mind a punt on the uh, on the horses either. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, back to the origin. Um, yep. yep, women's origin, yep. Yeah, yeah. So, it was great to see. Yeah, we, we did have three girls um, represent, like, from our club uh, playing. Um, Tasman Gray had a great game. Karina had an awesome game. Um, Shania had, had a good game when she got on. It was unfortunate Brianna Clark didn't get... Uh, yeah, it's unlucky for Brianna, yeah. yeah. Um, but congratulations to her for being part of that squad. Yeah. Um, there was an incident that happened in that, that Origin game, and I don't know if anyone saw it, but um, and I had a little bit of a chat to Karina about it the other day, but... Uh, at some point in the second half, a guy ran on the field with a, a piece of paper and it had his name and his phone number written on it. And he tried to give it to her. And she said she thought she was concussed. She had to look at him three times before she realised what was going on. The security missed it. The Queensland and New South Wales coaching staff missed it. The, um, the team security missed it. The only one that caught it was uh, reserve forward uh, Kennedy Charrington from the Blues who came on the field and escorted the guy off. Funny in hindsight, but what a massive security breach. And what if it was a deranged idiot with a knock? Yeah. I, I, I don't... I don't I, we, we just sort of discussed this yesterday. I don't actually remember that happening. So it must have happened really quick. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah. I, I will say, like, it's... The stadium there is not probably inducive to, like, high security. It's just, it's just kind of barricaded off there and They've got, yeah, so I, I can't imagine it would have been too hard for the bloke to... Uh, <laughs> uh, it's weird because they played NRL games all year there this year. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's what I was thinking when I was there. I was like, how did they really play NRL fixtures here? But obviously, they, they must have had a, uh, a different sort of setup on the day, maybe. I don't, I don't know. But... Well, no, the first one they... Uh, I feel was, I don't know. I know the first week that Melbourne played up there, they got issued a breach for covid uh, because there was no seats uh, in that crowd, so that's why they've got those seats on the hill. Seats, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was that's a bit weird. We're wondering what like, they'd have to be bolted down because otherwise you'd be. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, hill, men's, the men's origin last night, game three decider, mate. Yeah, the, uh, the the worst the worst ever Queensland team is that what is that what was said? Uh, worst worst team since 1995, and I think something happened in 1995 as well. It might have been three 0 or something like that. But but anyway. Um, yeah, look, look, fantastic, fantastic performance from Queensland. Um, like gutsy. Um, I, I must say, um, the, you guys, the Blues, losing Tedesco after about twenty minutes was was a massive factor. Yeah. 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 
I loved um, at, when that happened in the game, listening to the, to the wonderful Channel 9 broadcast from Gus Gould. Gus Gould naming all the people that could go to fullback. He named Jack Whiten, Cody Walker and Josh Adokar, but didn't mention Clint Gutherson, who actually plays fullback for his club. Come on, Gus, what's going on? <laughs> and then repeatedly told us that Josh Adokar is the fastest man on the planet. Oh, did he say that? I, thought, oh, I, don't, I don't remember recall him saying that but yeah oh, that's interesting um as we said before lee odin ryan might have a might have something to say about that <laughs> yeah um yeah so so from a queensland perspective standout performance well obviously munster was a constant threat all night he was just terrorizing terrorizing the blues defense yeah. Harry grant talk yeah. about impact off the bench Mate, what a star of the future he is Absolutely, he he killed it. He just looked right at home in in the Origin Arena, having despite having not played for about eight weeks or something. Yeah, he played a game for eight weeks. Yeah, because um, I was raving about Edric Lee not playing for seven weeks. Yeah, and then this guy comes out after not playing for eight weeks and just tears New South Wales to shreds. Uh, absolutely, yeah, he he was outstanding. Um, and in the, another another bloke that really impressed me, who's probably impressed me throughout the whole series, Lindsay Collins. He he's a real enforcer. Yeah. He, he had a he had he's a tough nut. Um, great great game. Even even last week when we got pumped, he he was still very strong in that I, game as well. I'm a New South Welshman. I live in New South Wales. I've always been a proud New South Wales supporter in the men's origin, Queensland for the women for obvious reasons, but. Um, I was kind of getting a bit annoyed last night with uh, the excuses that they make. So Isaiah Yo comes on and plays in the centres once um, Tedesco's injured. And then New South Wales, like Phil Gould is repeatedly making excuses for Isaiah Yo, who also plays at Penrith, mind you. Yeah. Um, who, you know, oh, he's just not quick enough to be in the centres. Oh, you know, he's getting beaten here. He's getting beaten. Queensland had... Kurt Capel, another back rower playing in the Stenners, who was outstanding in all games in the Origin. Sure was, yeah. You know, so, um, yeah. That, What's that good for the goose is good for the gander, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that kind of, uh, yeah, that kind of pisses me off at times. Uh, with the, the, it's kind of like, I get it from both ends. As a New South Welshman watching, listening to James Bracey and Phil Gould and Andrew Johns commentate a New South Wales Queensland game where it's a bit one-eyed, it's kind of, I'm kind of on the opposite side of the fence when I'm watching a Warriors game because the Aussies commentators just give it to us week in, week out. Uh, blocker. Uh, blocker. <laughs> yeah, blocker. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's... yeah, so that one's wrapped up, mate. That, uh, who got man of the series? Was it Munster? Munster, yeah, despite not even really playing in game two, but his impact was that huge um, in the two wins that, you know, that's completely justified. Um, Yeah, like, he just keeps going up to another level, Cam Munster, so, yeah, unbelievable. It's kind of a weird feeling, and I think I said this to you last night, where we're watching Origin and we're seeing teams going back uh, for pre-season training. Uh, Isn't it weird? Yeah. Isn't it's it bizarre? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's just going to be a one-off because I'm pretty sure Volandi said that they're hoping to return it back to the to the mid-season schedule. I think they'll have to. Yeah. I think it'll kill um, international footy. Maybe not for uh, New Zealand, Samoa, Tonga and Fiji and Papua New Guinea, 
yeah. Islands and England, but definitely for Australia because if they're playing Origin at the end of the year, they're not going to be playing tests against. Yeah, it's going to be. There's not going to be any tests. Other yeah. countries aren't going to wait around and go. Well, yeah, you play your Origin for three weeks, and we'll we'll hang around and wait for you. Yeah. Exactly, and that that also was the last game of rugby league for the year, wasn't it? Oh, sorry, there's something in my eye. Ah. Really? No, no. No, it's not. It's not? Oh. Super League Grand Final. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that's in two weeks or next weekend. I'm such a big fan of Super League that I'm going to have to ask you who's playing. Uh, <laughs> mate, I would say it's Wigan and somebody, help me, out, somebody help me out in the comments. Um, who, does, who did Ben Murdoch Masilla play for? Well, I think he was Leeds, wasn't he? Well, they got knocked out, so it's not them. Yeah, uh, no, it's not Leeds. Okay. Um, hang on. I can't even think of another team, to be honest. Do you know who's playing the Super League Grand Final? I think it's Wigan versus Hull. Oh, Hull. Yeah. Oh. Okay. That's a... Oh, they're the oh, semis. Oh, semis. Ah, so we got three more. Oh, okay. So wipe away those tears. We still yeah. got three more games that. Awesome. We can get stuck into, and I'm sure there'll be some Warriors players over there that will form a Warriors that will win some silverware, and we'll have to make sure we get them back on the books, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, that's how it works. We let them go, and they flourish into these machines, the title-winning machines. So, yeah. On another note, if you've been following us on Facebook and Instagram... I do. What do you got? Yeah, you might have noticed that we've put up this beauty. I'll give you a bit of a... Ah, uh, yes. The Stacey Jones shirt. Stacey Jones! The little general. So we have this shirt here made by a fantastic group called O'Kalen T-Shirts. So make sure you look those guys up on... Uh, they're on Facebook and Instagram and they've got a Shopify account. They've got an awesome range of T-Shirts. So obviously got they got the little general shirt, they got a Benji Marshall shirt, they've got a Stephen Kearney shirt I just saw today. Um few few shirts, Wu Tang Clan, a few musical ones, Easy E, and uh, they got a Richie McCaw, and I think, funnily enough, a Kalen Ponga shirt now as well. So they must be big fans of uh of Kalen Ponga, I'm I'm guessing, based on the name. But but check out their shirts in a nice uh what what did how did we describe this colour again, mate? Is that uh is that great, mate? Heathered grey. Apparently, it's it's washed washed stone or something like that. But anyway, it's all, it's all a rage now. This this colour, but um, fantastic shirt. I got one for myself, and we were lucky enough to have this this Stacey Jones shirt um, to give away as a prize for one of our faithful um, Ruin Hammer viewers. So the plan is that on our last show on December December ten, December ten, we'll be doing some kind of giveaway for that. So you have to tune into the show on that night to be in the chance to, to win that fantastic shirt. It's a size large, if anyone is wondering. Fairly, fairly generous fit. Um, so yeah, so stay tuned and we'll give you more, more hints on how you can be in the running to win that shirt. Yep, beautiful, mate. Yeah, we'll just keep plugging it on um, Facebook and Insta. Yep, um, and if you can't wait that long, check out O'Kalen and you can buy one ahead of time if you wish and look at their other fantastic range of shirts that they got there yeah uh robbie reyes says yes please Drew. well you mate you got to tune in on the last show you know what to do buddy yeah which is our uh big season review for both the uh men's and the women's season um 
uh, yeah, so that's on the 10th. But before that, next week, next Thursday, we've got um, Warriors, ex-Warriors hard man, Kevin Campion, the champion, uh, coming on to have a chat with us. And then... Um, Legend the of the club. That, Legend of the club. Yep. Yes, mate. And the week after that, we've got uh, Cameron George coming on on the December the 3rd to have a chat with us. Um, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, me too, mate. We can... Yeah. Uh, Ask him his thoughts on um, on this season and how tough it was being based in New Zealand with the side here in Australia. Yeah, absolutely. Just remember, guys, too, that um, on our Facebook page, when we on these events that we've got set up for these uh, chats, leave some comments there of any questions you want us to ask. It's uh, much easier if we can kind of get them down beforehand rather than me trying to stroll through a, a, the screen and and and. Um, and check stuff because there are questions that I'm missing that people are leaving because I'm, I'm more engrossed in uh, in the actual guest talking to the yeah, guest. Yeah, that's it. Um, so get them in, get them in beforehand, and we'll be sure to ask those questions. So don't, yeah, don't don't feel shy. Get them in there. Any question that you ask, all our guests have been very, as we said before, very honest and and forthcoming yeah. with their responses. So chances are that your question will get answered, no matter what what question it is. Yeah, mate. Well, that was a good chat. Yeah, absolutely. A nice early finish for us tonight. I'm going to go and have one of these. Yeah. I'll be having a water. <laughs> uh, yeah, mate. All right. Um, so next week, Kevin Campion. Um, I'm not sure what time. We'll have to check with Campo and see what time suits him. Stay tuned. Follow on Facebook and the social media and we'll keep you guys up to date. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in again tonight. Uh, thank you, everyone, for your support. Uh, really appreciate it. The pair of us do. We definitely do. Yes. Thank you, guys. All right, buddy. I'll um I'll talk to you a bit later. You certainly will. Have a good week, mate. You too, mate. See you, See you mate. Bye.